the earnings across the board of the S&P 500 are coming in at about 35% more than the market has risen during that period. What does that mean? It means that their income grew faster than the value grew, which means that the value didn't grow as fast as we thought it did. Uh, all it's saying is that the market still looks fairly priced based on these new earnings. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else close the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Well, maybe being just a little bit optimistic with the boys and girls, but maybe not. Who knows? Uh, this is the Personal Wealth Coach. Today, I'm flying solo. This is Jake McClure. I am a little bit under the weather. I was a lot of bit under the weather earlier this week, so... Any help you can give would be appreciated. Uh, Jeff Elderbaldy, my dad, is off in North Carolina visiting another child of his, although child may be the wrong word as he's got three of his own at this point. But it's an interesting kind of pulse point at another point in the United States. We try to get traveling and it's been a little bit difficult during the pandemic just to kind of have another source of input besides just the pure numbers from all of our different sources. So it's going to be an interesting return program, I'm sure, with his input from what's going on on the East Coast and the Appalachians. Uh, so this is Jake McClure. This is the Personal Wealth Coach. We're going to be talking today about finance, some personal finance, some macroeconomics, uh, and hopefully some bridges between the two. We're going to be talking a bit about how politics is touching on the world of business and finance and on uh, everything else and how that you could say that at any point in the history of humanity and be correct. Uh, so, but before we get started, I've got some disclosures hmm, to give you. No, unfortunately, I'm not actually unclothing or fortunately so it is this radio, so radio um, is doing you all a lot of favors. That's, that's all I'm saying. The Personal Wealth Coach is not only an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. It is also the name of this radio program. Um, and that's not coincidental because uh, this, the principals, the, the founding members of that firm are the ones that usually are the hosts on this program. Why do we tell you that? Uh, because... There's a business associated with who we are, one, that's kind of nice to know, but also as a form of disclosure. So we have a business in which we manage money and, and that sort of thing. That should be a little bit of a conflict of interest if somebody's business is in telling you how to invest and are telling you how to invest on the radio or at least giving you education on the subject. It's good to know that. If somebody's never done it before, it's also good to know that. Um, I'm not a, real, a doctor, but I play one on television, and I believe these vitamins are the best for you. That sort of thing kind of should have been said at the beginning. All right, so we do it for a living, but that also means that there's a pay motivator for us, and that if people do business with us, we get paid. That is, it should be 
kind of self-explanatory, but I think it's important to make it obvious. So that's out there. The, the firm's registered with the SEC. What does that mean? It means that, the, that our money under management is large enough. That's all it means. The SEC doesn't have some kind of a, uh, like, you've passed a level and therefore you will, you're better than everyone else or some silliness like that. And unfortunately, there are people that advertise that way, that kind of make it look like the SEC just being registered with them makes you somehow better. I don't know. I, it's kind of like if you were to tell someone that going to the DMV makes you better. Um, no, that's who issues the licenses, and anybody that's ever been there knows it's a bureaucratic institution that's generally quite boring. That's the way the most, most government is. It's, it's necessary, but boring. Okay, I've just said investment advice, SEC, all that good stuff. That covers a kind of advice that's generally termed fiduciary investment advice. Investment advice in the best interest of the client or in the sole interest of the client, putting the client's interest well before any other interests. There's a lot of ways of approaching that. But basically, it's the concept that you don't want your doctor to be writing you a prescription for the drug company that he owns because it might not be your best interest. So some form of disclosure is necessary at the very least. And in a lot of cases, you're not allowed to have two forms of revenue happening. So there's a lot of confusion on that. We operate in that realm 100% of the time. No dual stream stuff. So that's a piece of information. But it also means that we can't give investment advice on the air because that'd be a pretty clear violation of privacy. Okay, so I'm kind of going through these disclosures to actually tell you what they mean. We're often quite tongue in cheek with these things because we think that most people should know that coffee's hot when you buy hot coffee. At the same time, understanding the term fiduciary is not something most people ever get taught. This is not something that just, that there's like a curriculum for somewhere. There is, it's just most people don't ever come anywhere near it. So this concept here of fiduciary needs to be explained. So we've been doing this for free or with some benefits. The benefits are that people hear our voices. So when people do think about investing, sometimes they think about us first. So there is a quote, quid pro quo. It's just more hopeful quid pro quo of that. If we do this long enough, people will kind of figure that we might know what we're talking about. That's the quid pro quo. The reality is that our belief, and this goes back to my childhood, Elder Baldy's my dad, by the way. Jeff McClure is, is my dad, and is Jake McClure's dad. And going back to the very beginning, that was a premise he held. If you teach people how to invest, it's not going to hurt anybody. Uh, and long term, it will certainly help our investment business. So let's do that. And we've been doing it ever since. And being on the air for 24, three years for me, for him, 24, 25 years. It, it's, it's worked for us. Hopefully it's working for you guys. Um, let's see. And the last piece is that the information that I'm going to share with you on this program comes from sources that we really do deem to be reliable. We spend a lot of time researching them. However, we're not going to guarantee it. And I'm not going to say it the way my dad says it because somehow it's almost sacrilegious to say it the way he likes to say it. He says it with such glee about deeming 
sources to be reliable, but no warranty or guarantee is made. You've heard it before. We really are trying to find the best sources possible to get the information to you. Now we're going to jump into the market after we've been on the air for 10 minutes of doing nothing but disclosures. Now let's get into the meat of what is the reality of what's happened this week. Let's see here. The S&P 500 turned in a stellar week despite a steady beat of worrying news about supply and labor shortages, rising prices, rising interest rates, and general uncertainty. Uh, it closed the week at 4544.90. That's up about 1.6% for the week, 21% year to date, and 31% from a year ago. It wasn't quite a record close on Friday. That was Thursday. Uh, but is there only a four-point difference between the two? So that's saying something. Uh, not that long ago, people were saying, expect worse in this quarter. Uh, we're going to still continue to say kind of indefinitely forever, expect a, a correction in the market at any point. We've just been going a long time. But earnings are coming out fantastic. These earnings are exactly what we're hoped for coming out of the recession, that people would be spending and so on. So earnings so far across the board have been stellar. Uh, and that's caused the, the indexes to go up. The Dow Jones Industrial Average also hit a, a record. Uh, our other stock market ind indicator, the CRSP mid cap value index, we like it because it's not tracked as an investment vehicle for one. Uh, and also because it's covering a part of the market that's kind of hard to find in any other index, which is just the pure value, we're worth what you pay for us type companies. Um, but that's up 24.21% for 2021. That is three, almost 3.5% three higher than what the S&P is up at, during the same time period, which just goes to say value has been doing well in this recovery. Tesla and American Express have reported earnings this week. And so far, uh, the earnings across the board of the S&P 500 are coming in at about 35% more than the market has risen during that period. What does that mean? It means that their income grew faster than the value grew, which means that the value didn't grow as fast as we thought it did. Uh, all it's saying is that the market still looks fairly priced based on these new earnings. Uh, anybody that was thinking, hey, it may be getting a little overpriced because earnings are lagging. Well, the earnings reports have come out. They are not lagging. They are ahead. So that's all good news. Uh, the yield on the benchmark 10-year U.S. Treasury note uh, ended the week at 1.646%. That, that interest rate is up about 3.9% for the last week. That's a pretty big jump. When we're looking elsewhere and we're seeing a 1.5% rise, a 1.6% rise, something like that, and then turn around to see the 4% rise in interest rates, that's a tough one. Uh, a rise in bond interest rates occurs not because the 10-year bonds changed their coupon rate. You got to remember that. But because the value in the underlying bonds fell. Not a lot of 10-year bonds were, were issued this week. So how did interest rates go up? The only way they could is bond prices falling. Uh, so when we're seeing these records taking place over in the stock market, those of you that are kind of strictly over there and thinking the world is on fire, this is great, give me another drink, 
just know that the folks over in the bond world are in a world of misery right now that the, there's this is some bloody nose business for sure uh and having some kind of an understanding of that larger picture between bonds and, and stocks is important to have right now otherwise you could hurt your neighbor's feeling by talking about how great the market is and he's looking at a completely or she is looking at a completely different market than you those are the the big kind of derivative markets that we follow we also look at one that is pretty literally a market in an actual thing oil um West Texas Intermediate Crude rose 2% for the week to end at $84.07. Okay, that just covered a big chunk of stuff about what's going on in the world a little bit, uh, what's going on as far as numbers at least, interest rates up, stock markets up, bond markets down, gas and oil prices are up. So what else happened in the news this week. Well, let's see a couple of pieces of interesting news popped out. Number one, we didn't have a record budget deficit for the fiscal year that ended at the beginning of October, end of September. It was 2.8 trillion, which means that we were below the 3.1 trillion of last year. So if there's any way of, I don't know, is not quite as bad a silver lining, it's a big deficit. Uh, we spent a lot of money, $2.8 trillion. It's likely that next year we're also going to spend a lot of money. Some of that is because, number one, the infrastructure bill is another trillion dollars that didn't get passed this year. It was going to be passed, but it's in this perpetual logjam. So what does that mean? It's a big deficit. What does it mean? I get this a lot. We Man, we get this a lot. Is this going to lead to the fall of the dollar? Is it going to lead to the fall of, of the American economy as, as the leader of the world? We've got a lot of debt. And we've talked about this before. Last year or, or last week we talked about and when we look at the net worth of the United States, we're talking about a very small amount of debt compared to our net worth. When we look at household net worth, for instance, it's in the $109 trillion or so dollar range, and we're talking like a $28 trillion debt. Is, the, is that a great debt? No, it's, it's not a good thing to have. But if we think about a growing family rather than a growing nation, and we say, what's the mortgage of a young professional couple with a couple of kids? And say they have a $300,000 house. And between the two of them, they make $115,000 a year. You can see that their income to debt ratio is bad. Well, what's the value of the house? It's more than $300,000. So they've got a net worth that may be $500,000. And they've got debt of $300,000. Okay. Well, it's starting to look better now. Well, when your net worth is like... 150,000 and you've got 50,000 of debt, it starts to look a lot better. That's what we look at when we're seeing the American debt. Now we can throw in a bunch of other stuff too, personal debt, household debt, add it to the public debt. And you start to see uh, that, that income to debt levels are high. We need to lay off on, but it's looking a lot better than it did five years ago. The overall debt is down. 
that's a healthy sign. Uh, I know a lot of people talk about we're going into debt, we're going into debt. It's a problem. We don't need to take our eyes off that ball because it's a problem. But it's not a panic problem right now. It's a get across to people the importance of paying our bills problem. And I don't think that we're getting that message across very well. As long as the the impending doom is 30 years away, Congress's their election cycles are not in danger. <laughs> we got to put the problem in the election cycle. Uh, and that's that's where the attention should be is, hey, we got to slow this down. The borrowing should be for the things that bring in better revenue. We talked about that a lot last hour, or last week. Important thought that just number one, deficit was down by $300 billion. And it was a blip on the radar for almost no one. It was not a record breaking anything. So it wasn't a headline. But it is at least nice to know that it's not going up every year. It went way, way, way up last year. And for the six years before that, it was a constant upward trend. It's kind of fascinating to see during whose administration recessions go down and whose go up. It's not who you expect, by the way. Just keep that in mind. The recession levels, all that stuff, doesn't really matter who's president. Doesn't Looking at the numbers, you wouldn't be able to say when did this presidency end and that one start because you just, there's nothing in the numbers that would tell you. And you would think, well, if a conservative's in, the off, in office and they hold both houses, you would think the deficits will drop. Well, no. No, that doesn't happen. So just looking at the numbers, it's hard to get politics, what's being said to match up with reality. If you, if you ever want to get sick and tired of politics in general, just look at the economics numbers over a long period of time and go, none of this is what they're saying on it, in none of it. So why are they even talking? Well, because they want to get reelected. So what, do we, what else do we have to talk about? We got lots of stuff. Um, you know, I would talk to, for a while on ESG, and I don't want to get too deep into the woods on that again, but people are coming out, countries are coming out now with their pledge for net zero carbon emissions and Saudi Arabia pledges by 2060. So 39 years from now, they will be at net zero. And if you just recall the sentence I said about 30 years is not in anybody's election cycle, it's not even in anybody's like kingship cycle. So that's the sort of statement that there's absolutely no negatives to making it. And the whole world will say, oh, it's so great. You're going to be net zero. You're, Saudi Arabia is making an effort to write that down on a piece of paper. Very nice. Very nice, Saudi Arabia. So same's true across the board. Uh, the UN came out with a report saying that no country has met its obligations under uh, the environmental major environmental agreements so far. Um, yeah, none. So I, I realize that a lot of countries like to point at the United States and saying, you're violating. But the reality is everyone is violating. We're just being semi-honest about it. Isn't something that we can claim all the time, but on this subject, it's true. Thank you very much for listening, if you have. If you haven't, then no thanks to you. Um, yeah. If you'd like to talk to us off the air, we have voicemail wake, waiting locally during the week at... 254-947-1111. Uh, real live people during the week, voicemail during the weekend, and that is also 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. 
You can go to the webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. You can email us through there, contact us through there, podcasts, newsletters, all that good stuff. Until next week, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach.